Yo, what's really good? It's your main man, Sean Little from the No Catch-Up Podcast. Wanted to send a reminder. Make sure you rate and review No Catch-Up, available everywhere. iTunes, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts, No Catch-Up is on there. Make sure you tell everyone it's the best sports podcast in the world. Drop that five-star review. Pass the links to the homies. Let everybody know. You know the deal. No Catch-Up, Sports Talk via Chicago. Lock in. No ketchup, no ketchup. What's really good, my people? Welcome into No Ketchup Sports Talk via Chicago. It's a special edition tonight. We're going to talk the state of the Chicago Cubs. And I I got a lot of things to say, and I got some big-time guests that have a lot to say as well. We got Michael Bolding, a social on-air host for the Chicago Cubs. Hometown guy, big Chicago guy, Cubs guy through and through. Uh, but it's time for us to have a, a real conversation here. And second... We have the director, Dom Frederick, director of morale. The Chicago Cubs is in the building. Dom, what's going on, baby? Thanks for having me again. It's great to be here and uh, can't wait to talk. What's happening with the team? Thanks for having me again. Yeah, yeah, Bolden. Thanks for coming through as well, bro. Yeah, man, I'm excited. I feel like this is a a power trio right here. We got a lot to get off our chest. Very excited, man. Thank you for having me. Yeah, yeah, no doubt, man. I'm looking forward to it as well. Uh, we were we were laughing and joking before we went live. Uh, yo, y'all, the, the Chicago Cubs fans are so wild. Dom has got to stay low key. I feel like we're talking to Batman out here. <laughs> Me and Bowling are on the video stream for everybody listening. Dom is is in the Batcave right now, just figuring out a way that we could turn this shit around in a timely manner. Yeah, yeah. You know what? One day I'll come out. Uh, I'll come out and be more out and about. Maybe when I do this full time, if that ever happens. Um, but yeah, you know, just here for the tweets. Here for the, you know, all the stuff I do. The stupid sticks. You guys all know how it goes. Um, but you know, yeah, man. Here for the banter. They want. Yeah, man. Of course. No, I just had to give you a hard time. Uh, yeah. I, I understand. <laughs> I understand. I understand the deal. I already know what it is, man. Make sure you uh, feed the family before you worry about what the fuck people think you look like or whatever. The Seriously. Fuck. Yeah, it's <laughs> all good. All right, let's jump right into it because I, I just know who we got on the mics here, and I know that this is easily going to run, you know, an hour plus, however however long we can make it happen, but it it, it will run. Um, I want to start – just let me give you guys a structure on how we're going to break it down. I think it's going to be very simple. We're going to start with how did we get here? Not too long ago, we were talking multiple World Series. We were talking all types of shit. We had three cornerstone guys that extending them. Of course, we're going to extend them. They're they're the best player at the position. Like, well, what are we talking about here, right? So how did we get here? How are we now in a position where we're battling – with the Cardinals to, you know, for second and third in the division, right? So we'll talk about that. Then what could we have done different? Um, We're going to talk about Theo, some of his decisions. We're going to talk about Ricketts, what he's got going on. We're going to talk about to have some players just not locked in. Can we, could we have made some roster moves? Um, Could we have added a, a leadoff guy for a decade straight? Could we, could we have done a lot of different things, right? We're going to talk about that. We'll close the show with, um, what do we do now? What should we do? This is a big, big, big time club making big, big time money. This rebuild is is not a rebuild for the Kansas City Royals. Um, is it is it a rebuild? We'll we'll ask Dom and Mike that. So we'll keep it straight away there. Um, let's get straight into it. I'm gonna kick it to Dom first. Give me give me your 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 spiel and how you feel about how we got here, how you feel about it. And, uh, you know, it's 20, 2016 seems like a long time ago. Going back to what Theo and Jed said, the seven year window, we had really high expectations about this team and what things could happen. I think expectations are definitely going to change over time. Meaning like it's probably not a seven year window. It's realistically like a two to three year window. And I think you, the same thing can be said for the White Sox. People are going to say that I'm being pessimistic because they're the other team in town. 
But I just think when you look at the landscape of baseball, it's hard to win. It's hard to go to the World Series. It's hard to get to a championship series. And expectations are going to change because the Cubs are the first team to rebuild, the first team to go through this whole process and open this window uh, you know, of winning. And we kind of saw the failures. We saw the mistakes. We saw the positives. We saw the success. Um, but we definitely see that the team changed over time, that even though the core was the same, those seven years weren't very consistent. You had like the, the first half was solid, you know, 90 win team, so on and so forth. And then this second half has been kind of, I don't want to say lackluster, but it's like an above average team. It's not a, you know, top flight team. So because of that, I think expectations are going to change. And along the, with all the mistakes that were made, um, I think the biggest thing to take away from all of this in, in terms of how we got here is that, you know, expectations maybe were a little too high. Maybe I gassed them up a little bit too much. Maybe I pumped the, pumped them up a little bit too much. Doesn't mean I'm not going to, you know, uh, keep doing it. But um, I just think we all probably had super high expectations. Uh, and because of that, you know, it's probably why many Cubs fans are disappointed today, considering that we're two weeks away from some of our favorite players being traded. Mike, do you – well, let me uh, real quick before I let Dom off the hook. Let me comment on some of that. Um, yeah. When you look back at it, yo, I think I'm gonna come off as the super negative guy. By the way, I just want <laughs> I just want to give I just want to give everybody the I just want to give everybody a heads up that these guys have had me really frustrated and pissed off for quite a number of years now, yeah. and I've had conversations with Mike in the background, and I've had other conversations, and like, look, I, I'm not. I'm not the director of morale and I'm not tied to him like Mike. Um, I, I, I can, I'm going to, there's going to get, there's going to be some times where I'm getting some stuff on my chest throughout this conversation, but yeah. there's guys, there's teams like the Houston Astros. Yeah, that, for sure. That, that had a window and are continuing to knock on the door. Um, sure. I, I, I guess it's, it's easy for us to say like, yo, maybe the window wasn't that, that, that long now that it's closing up. But I really, truly believe at the time there was a big-ass window with some big-time talent with one of the best guys in the business running the show. And uh, uh, a lot of things tailed off throughout that to, to kind of have where we are, where we're at right now. Um, before I kick it to Mike Dom, where would you, where would you say – where would you lay the biggest blame on how, how we've ended up in a spot where – and hey, and if you don't want to give any blame, where do you think oh, no, no. You fell, I'm, fell short across the board? No, I'm fine with answering that question. Yeah. I, I think it's I think it's a two uh two part answer for me. Number one, obviously the development. Um, and I don't, development's not the right word because it's like you know what? Sometimes like an MLB player, they get to this spot in their career, they get to the show in the first place. That's incredibly impressive for them to do that. And that's just the player they're going to be. Um, so I would say it's just the the lineup. Uh, how would I put it? The the maturation of the lineup. And I'm not talking about like the, you know, baseball intellect of these players, but more like how this group aged over time definitely lacked compared to the other teams. Now, that was because maybe players didn't make the, the adjustments that were necessary, but also like. For three years, the Cubs didn't make any uh, additions to their lineup other than Daniel Descalso, who's like the only free agent, um, roster, uh, free agent, big league roster signee, uh, the first one before uh, after Jason Hayward. And you know what? Like, if you're going to rely on the same eight or seven guys to get it done every single year, like that probably isn't a good way to go about it. It's probably also not a good way to go about it. If you have the same type of hitter in the lineup, you know, yep. from one to nine, like you get what I mean. So I think overall that was probably the biggest aspect of it. And also probably moving on. I'm, I'm looking at this more from like a macro perspective. I think my attitude is definitely going to change in the future when the Cubs are, you know, at the top of the division or they're like the, you know, number one seed, everyone's fired up. Everyone thinks they can win it is really looking at like the, the bench, the bullpen, like the, the 13th guy on the roster. Like how can we increase those positions 
So the Cubs have this safety net when injuries do, you know, come about because I think the Cubs really fell short where we would see, you know, Chris Bryant get injured. And obviously you can't replace Chris Bryant, but like we never had a guy that could really fill in the, the lineup wasn't diversified, like all that type of stuff to where, again, we're in this position where many Cubs fans uh, were dreading myself included for a long time. Mike, go ahead. I, I agree with a lot of what Dom said. And, you know, to me, I really just feel like we, we swung and missed on opportunities where we had chances to make things better. And I yeah. think finan- I think there's financial reasons why, which, you know, we can talk about that later, but there was, this, Oh, we're going to talk about it. <laughs> there, was this sense, <laughs> there was this sense that I got after 20, like a lot of people talk about 16, obviously when the world series, the greatest year ever, but 15 was the year that it clicked for me because we slayed the dragon. We beat the Cardinals in the NLC or NLDS. We moved on. We know, you know how it ends, but that was when it felt like, okay, now we're going to go out and get whoever we need to make this work. Like, how do we get to the pinnacle? Like, we've tasted success, finally. How do we get to the pinnacle? And as soon as we won in 16, it felt like, all right, let's party about it. And I partied. Like, we all did. Like, everybody was super excited. But then it started to feel like, now let's just, like, plug the holes instead of really, you know, going after Big Fish, Bryce Harper, whoever it is. And, like, Bryce has been good, but it's not like he's been a world beater since that, you know, his free agent year. So I think that that was really what has gotten us here. Like, you know, Don brought up Daniel Descalso. I don't know why he was ever on the roster, in my opinion. Daniel Murphy, it was like, try and find a guy like that who can plug a hole and see if you can catch lightning in a bottle for 500000 or the, the veterans minimum. And it worked once. Yeah. You know, they signed Castellanos and he's an all-star now. But then after he signed him and he's very excited to be back and love Chicago, you kind of just let him walk, you know? So like, those are the things that I think we kind of, you know, you make one mistake here or you, you, you don't sign this guy there. And then you start talking about the offense breaking at the second half of the season and, you know, they can't hit anymore. They're not scoring runs like they were in the first half, like plugging those holes with really impact guys and, and really spending that money, I think could have avoided a lot of that. And then it's like, you start to look at it, you fall back into the same, you know, mistakes and you don't hit in September and we can't find a leadoff hitter. Like all of those things we've been talking about for four years now. So like, it's almost like we shot ourselves in the foot and, you know, it's kind of sad because like Dom said, like we were all dreading this day where you have these marquee core players that, you know, we know they got the money to pay them. It's just like, you got to pay them all at once. So it's yeah. tough. Man. Well, you have to pay them all at once because you let it get to that point, by the way. But let me let me take a step back just to, to go to go off what you were saying, Mike. Yo, we partied. There's no doubt about that. <laughs> I actually remember watching the first game of the 2017 season, and we were doing that ceremony in the bleachers where we were. And I'm like, yo, look, this is a little too much. <laughs> like, yeah, like I get it. Like a hundred years, I get all that. But like, we got guys in gold plated number jerseys out here. We're raising three, four banners. I'm like, all right, like I get it. You know what I'm saying? Like it was a long time. I understand. It's funny, I, it's funny I you notice that because yeah. I was literally slamming Budweisers. I didn't care what they were doing. I was just like, we're here. We did it. We Yo, won. We, we, we did it. Back. We won. But I just remember sitting on the couch, like, all right, like let's go try to get another one now. Like let's not be. It's the it's we've gone through the whole summer, tra- spring training. And now we're doing all this, like, it's just like, it was a, it was a big spectacle and I get it. Right. Um, talk about plugging holes, Dexter Fowler leaves, go plug. That's the first hole we need to plug. And this is the other thing. Theo Epstein. I don't want to say we trusted him to a fault, but like, yo, whatever we, whatever was happening, we're like, yo, Theo's got it. There's a reason why this happened and this didn't happen. Right. Um, and I'm actually okay with that. To a point, and, and and we'll get to that point where it's like, yo, and Theo, we trust, like he's got it. We'll just go, we'll just go with what with what he's saying, right? Um, when you look back on it now, I I I can go all the way back to 2018 where I started to be like, I don't know if Ricketts and these guys are trying to win anymore. Th- that's kind of when I started to feel it yeah. was like 20 was like 2018, um, because 2017. <laughs> 
we were still spending lots of money. And like, yo, let's talk about some of Theo's misses. I want to talk about Theo, and then I want to talk about Ricketts. Theo misses on LeMahieu. He goes on to be a dog. Edwin Jackson, it's a miss. It wasn't a, a, a ton of money, but it, it's still a miss, right? But then he obviously made a lot of big deals with going to get Lester and um, uh, trading or go, getting Arietta, getting Hendricks. Yeah. Like we, we, we hit on a lot of those spots, right? It started to feel like we, we were trying to win in 2017. There's no doubt. But like you guys said, it was like, yo, this team is so fucking good. They're young. I'm not spending any money on a lot of these guys either. Instead of stepping on people's throats and be like, yo, okay, I don't have to pay Javi. I'm not really paying Addison. I'm not paying KB. Like, yeah. let's go, let's go use some of this money and go load up on some guys that are worth a lot of money. Like, maybe we bring back Chapman. Like, yeah. maybe there, yeah. there's a lot of different things we could have done, right? Um, Dom, I want to let you jump back in, and then I want to talk about Ricketts and, like, the, the, the whole crying poor thing. I think that's a major thing I need to get off of my chest and put on wax. Yeah, I mean, you can bring up the, uh, you know, Q trade. Obviously that, you know, giving up Eloy and Cease are tough. And, you know, we'll see how that plays out. I, I know it's that everyone's going to say the Cubs lost the deal, which they, they probably did, but we'll see how it plays out. I think what you said really fits perfectly. It's, it's stepping on people's throats. And again, the next time the Cubs are in this position or in a position that they were in 2016 or 17, you got to blow it out, man. And I know the Cubs are spending money. I know they were top two in payroll, but it's the, the, the fine line of winning is so thin. It's so specific. It really is. Where yeah. if you don't have that one guy, that one player who can make that one play, who can fill that one need, and even if it's the third guy filling that need, like these are all vital things that an organization and team needs to continue moving on, continue being successful. Sean, I know you brought up the Astros. Like a perfect example for them, signing Michael Brantley, you know, finding more pitchers who can fill those needs. Like it's those types of moves over time, like adding on when you, when you feel like the team's great, when you feel like the team can't be improved in any other ways, when you feel like that nine, that nine that you're going to run out there every day is going to carry you for seven years. That's probably when you need to sign, you know, whether it be Cassianos or Bryce Harper, who, you know, Mike, I know you brought him up. Bryce Harper has been pretty damn good. I mean, he's consistent. He gets on base. He hits the ball hard. Like, I mean, that dude would have been one of the most consistent players on this team. He doesn't strike out all too much. I mean, he would have been the and perfect pair, fit. He and you get to pair him with his boy. And you get yeah, to pair him with exactly. his boy. So now when you have conversations about Chris Bryant, it's like, man, does he really love to be in Chicago? Is he really pissed off that the service time thing? And it's like, his fucking boy's playing right field. So yeah. now they can share the outfield. And it's like, yeah, shit, I might take 225 and bounce around because my boy's here. I mean, like, yeah. We were gassing up uh, Harper's dog's name is Wrigley. Like, come on, yeah. bro. He fucking loves it here. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, and so it's it's those types of things. And, I, you know, stepping on people's throats is uh, – I know it's a, it's a tough way to put it, but it's just the truth. Like, when you kind of hang around, you're going to let other teams, you know, come in and take your spot. And that's what's happened with the Cubs. I hate to say it, but it, it's just happened. It's the truth. Um, and I think there are a lot of people to blame. The Ricketts, I know, Sean, you're going to want to talk about it. They're probably number one. Leadership starts at the top. Yep. Um, there's plenty of criticism to go around for the decisions that they've made over the last three or four years. But can you imagine 2017? So we, when we went and got Chapman, we give up uh, Glaber Torres, who's a stud. Yeah. Okay, fine. Okay. But, hey, how about looking to keeping Chapman so that doesn't I – know, I, hey, I know we got a title, but why not keep him? Like think, hey, think yeah. about think about think about this in 2017. We have Arietta. This is the this is the rotation in 2017. We have Arietta, who's still at the peak of his powers. We have Lester Hendricks, Lackey, who's a super solid five guy, and then we have Montgomery Quintana, right? Who ended up getting those starts? Can you imagine putting Verlander in one of those spots and then oh, keeping yeah. and then like keeping Chapman or something like that? But Verlander goes to Houston the next month. Yeah, yeah on waivers. We, everybody, in the, everybody in the league passed on him. Every exactly. single person. So we literally punt 
essentially on Verlander, like we we better go get Quintana first. We give up those prospects, and like you said, Dom, we don't know. We'll we'll see how that ends up really really panning out on the trade. But I mean, dude, kill these people. Can you imagine us running out Arietta, Lester, Hendricks, Verlander, and Lackey? And then having like a guy like maybe Chapman. And I understand that's a lot of money we're talking about spending, right? And I get that. But I also get we're break we're literally breaking records on revenue year in, year out. I don't I I'm not a big fan of the but the payroll was 215 million. But bro, we're breaking the payroll better be up that high with all yeah. the money that's coming in, right? Yeah, I hear you. So I do want to talk about Ricketts because I, I have a joke, me and bowling and a couple other people I talk to. I, I call Rick as a he's a real estate developer now. Yeah. He doesn't he doesn't even own he doesn't own the Cubs anymore. He he's a real estate developer around the Wrigley Field, around the 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 federal landmark like you like to call it. Yeah. He is using the Cubs to fund every other project that he wants to do around the stadium, pure point blank period. But yeah, he's using the Cubs as an absolute bet, piggy bank to to develop the the stuff around the stadium. I, I have written down in my notes that Ricketts stopped trying to win. And th- this is my theory on the, the, the whole thing on how we got here and, and what was going on with Ricketts and Theo and all of that, right? So you guys know the deal. 2017, we don't step on their throats like we're talking about. We don't really add anybody. We matter of fact, we lose a couple pieces in Chapman and Dexter, and we, and we run out a couple other guys that are essentially the, it's essentially the same team. That won the series in 2016. We give people hell. We're a good, we're a good baseball team, but we just don't have enough in the playoffs in 2017. We end up, we end up getting knocked out, right? Yep. 2018 rolls around. Oh, well, and we signed Chatwood in 2017. Or is that 2018? Chatwood came in I think 2018. Uh, yeah, I think it was 18. Okay. Either yeah. way. So 2017, 2018. It's a bad signing. It's another mistake, but then the big mistake comes, and this is where I think this shit really turns. And and when I say a mistake, I mean initially because you Darvish gets brought on in 2018 for a very very big number. Yeah, and I think if he didn't share this with anybody, if he didn't tell Theo this, in his heart of hearts, Ricketts was like, "Yeah, I'll go ahead, I'll I'll sign off on this you Darvish shit. If it doesn't work, I'm broke." Don't come, don't come looking for me for shit. Yeah. And I think, and I think that the first year is an absolute disaster with you, Darvish. We know the story all the way from him trying to put up a fence at his crib that he couldn't get approved. And it was just like all bad. He wasn't talking to anybody. He wasn't pitching well. He he hates it here. It's the he got what, hurt. Yeah, he, he got, got hurt. Yeah. Worst place in the world, right? So it's a disaster. The the rest of the year ends up being. So it's a very standard year. We end up losing to what Washington, right? Yep. Uh, no, no, uh, we beat Washington. We lost to eighteen. The, we lost to the Rockies. Right? Yes, correct. There you yeah. go. Ninety-five win team though. Ninety-five yeah. win team. Five wins. But think about that. Ninety-five yeah. win team essentially trotting out the same guys for the last three years straight, like you yeah. said. Now, so yeah. that, that's where we're at. Ninety-five win squad. I. This is what I think happens. You Darvish is a disaster. He has a. And this is when Rickett starts crying poor. I think he goes to Theo yeah. and he's like, and he's like, look, man, I don't have any money. Don't come to me looking for shit. Because if you remember going into the 2019 season, the team was like, like you said, we're coming off 95 wins. The the the, the team is screaming from a for a closer from spring training. We don't have a closer. We have no closer. We can't close games. And I think if you I think the first we blew like Eight games or like eight saves in the first like 30 games of that yep. 2019 season. Yeah. Craig Krimble sitting at home. He's fucking on his couch drinking Kool-Aid, doing whatever the <laughs> fuck he was doing. And in my eyes, and, and let me preface this by saying I'm not a fucking insider. Jason Hayward's not telling me this. This is purely what I think is going on in the background. Is that Theo's like, bro, let me go get this guy. He was saying that shit from the beginning. Like, yo, let me fill this hole. Let me fill this hole. We end up blowing a bunch of games, and then towards the middle of the season, he's like, all right, I'll give you the money to go get this guy. I'll I'll make an exception, essentially. Like, go ahead. You can go get this dude. He comes in. He is coming straight off his couch, like I said. He has a brutal start to his Cubs career. He's, He's sucked. He's terrible. Yeah. And 
Then Ricketts is like, hey, that's it, bro. Don't come to me for any more money. I need to, I'm gonna buy up the the whole fucking neighborhood. I'm gonna buy everything. And I'm gonna and I'm gonna put my name on it and I'm gonna make and don't and, and Theo, don't come into my office asking me for more money. Don't do any of that shit. And I think they had a real conversation and th- and and he came to Theo like, listen, bro, I'm not gonna spend any more money. If you're trying to put together a winner, I'm I, there's no this is the team, this is the team that you put together. This is the team that we're gonna have, and that's it, pure point blank. And Theo was kind of like all right, my man, like I'm going to, I'm going to go ahead and step down and I'll let you guys continue to run this because I can't, I can't see a guy at the peak of his powers. And I understand him saying, you know, maybe 10 years is the, is the match. You should be in the leadership position. I understand that. But for him to just disappear and leave with no other job lined up and just to kind of go like, just go home. Like, all right, I'm done. Seems kind of odd to me. You know what I'm saying? I get what you're saying, Sean. And I, I don't know. I, I'm going to push back a little bit, just given the fact that, like, I agree with some of the things you said about, you know, building up the neighborhood. Maybe that became a little bit more of a priority once things kind of were going south. But Don makes a great point. You win <clears throat> 95 games and you lose in a one car- one game wild card. I was at that game. It sucked. I mean, I felt like that game was just like pulling teeth. It was we cold. Like, we didn't even do anything like it was terrible. But I do think. Once you get to a point in Theo's tenure when you take two tremendous bites of the apple, you win it with the Red Sox, you win it with the Cubs, it's like, what the fuck else can he do that's going to really scratch that itch? Now, I personally, as a fan, want to see four world titles. That would be fucking awesome. But realistically, when you have you know, an owner that you know, you're saying might have more you know, financial interest in other things and you know, maybe it is pulling teeth, trying to spend some money. I don't know anything about any of that. But when you start to compile those things, I don't think it was more. I think it was less of like a contentious thing and more of like, maybe this is a good opportunity for me to start thinking about, you know, being a fucking commissioner or an owner. Like, I think that Theo could be the commissioner of baseball and we'd all be happy about that. And I have my thoughts about Rob Manfred, but that's not why people called. Like, this is this is what I think. I think that Theo was like, I've. I've done it in Boston. I've done it in Chicago. I, I'm under fire because the fan base now is really has high expectations, which is good, which you should want. But for him, it's like, I need to do something bigger. And I hope, I don't know this for sure. I hope it wasn't a contentious thing. I think personally, Theo was probably like, this is a good opportunity for let my to let my boy elevate and for me to kind of do the same. Like, I want to maybe own a team or potentially make a run at being commissioned. Dumb. Yeah, no, I hear you. I I, I keep going back to uh, the 2000. Well, actually, the Kimbrel signing. What what you were talking about. I mean, Tom pretty much said it himself. He he had he has plenty of quotes of saying like, eventually you have to develop the team internally. I remember that was a big theme going back to the 2019 offseason uh, when we didn't go out and get Chris Bryant. The Cubs were really only able in terms of what ownership in the front office and the media had said the Cubs really were only able to get Kimbrell because if you remember that was when Ben Zobris wasn't playing he was on leave right uh and much of his money was uh I don't know if it was like insurance money whatever it was it was because he didn't play uh that freed up uh you know cap of uh, availability for the Cubs to go out and get Kimbrell and utilize those assets so yeah, man, I, I agree with a lot of what you're saying, Sean. Mike, same, same thing. I think I think it's kind of probably a mix of both, unfortunately. And again, we're kind of struggling with the uh, the falling out of it all, which which kind of stinks. Um, I think Tom has has plenty of blame here. He really did kind of put his hands in his pocket, say. No, we don't have anything left. Don't come to me. I think that's a very fair criticism. 100%. Yeah, very fair, for sure. Um, and it's something that, again, the next time the Cubs are in this situation, or really any, te- any team, stepping on their throats has to be, like, the number one priority. Because if you don't, if you don't continue to add, if you don't try to get a better 12th player, a better, you know, seventh uh, reliever in the bullpen, it's going to come back to bite you. And I'm telling you, if the Cubs would have went out you know, invested in Bryce Harper or Nick Cassianos. It's a different team. Doesn't mean every hole is filled, but 
I keep going back to what we saw in uh, in May and, you know, leading up into June. That was probably the most complete team we had seen from a Chicago Cubs standpoint in the past three years. A team that could hit for power, a team that played great defense, a team that had a fantastic bullpen, a team that could drive in runs. And grand, you could say, well, that's a short period of time. But those are the types of teams that you need if you really want to stay consistent long-term. A team that has all five tools, right? And unfortunately, the Cubs never plugged those holes, didn't develop enough to truly, uh, you know, boost their ability to succeed on a continuous basis. Um, I mean, you can take a look at the Dodgers. You can take a look at the Dodgers. I mean, like, their payroll is astronomical every year. But I think think that what they do is say – Shit, we want to keep winning. They kept getting there and didn't win. They win last year, COVID shortened season, and they got even better. So it's like, how? Why is? Why does it feel like we can't do that? You know, one hundred percent. Bingo, dead on, one hundred percent. Ricketts has had. Ricketts came out and said, "I have his. I have my hands in my pockets," and he's had his hands in his pockets and continues to have his hands in his pockets. You're yeah. dead on, Mike. Why? Why? Why are the Dodgers out here winning titles and then continually adding pieces and doing everything they have to do to make sure that they're they're a massive force in the NL? That like there's no other there's you you want to know the answer? Their ownership. Period point blank. That's yeah. it. He I'm gonna tell you, this is this is how I feel, and I think a lot of Cubs feel just like me. Ricketts won a title and he told everyone to jump off a bridge. I'm going to do whatever I want from here on out. I'm not saying that he wasn't trying to win in 2017 and 2018, but since 2018, he's like, look, bro, I got a title in 2016. I don't want to hear shit else about anything. I gave Theo a bunch of money. He swung and missed, and now we're here. This is the team you guys have. This is what it is, and I'm going to – and and then, wow, what a miracle. A pandemic hits that I can then blame everything on. Yeah. And say, I'm just trying. I don't have any money. Cash flow? Me? For sure. Oh, what are you talking Cash flow? What are you talking about? I don't have any money. I just I just have an empty building for, for however long you want. And th- that's that's kind of where we're at, man. That's 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 how I strongly feel about it. Sean, so, it's kind of like it's kind of like when your parents have raised you for 18 years and you go to college, and as soon as you become an adult, they're like, All right, don't ask for anything. Don't ask, it's yep. over. It's done. It's done. Figure it out. We, we raised you. We raised you. We did everything for you. Don't ask for anything. Uh, yeah, that, that's pretty much. I, I I love the passion, Sean. Um, it's 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 something that I hope ownership can um, uh, you know, write that wrong in the future. I hope they can explain it in the future. But you can just see how they've shied away from public discourse. They're not going to the convention anymore. They're not you know out talking in the media. They have Crane do the talking about, you know, the TV deal or the budget or this and that. They, they'll they have Jed or Theo do it. But, you know, ownership starts at the top. You're totally right, Sean. The Dodgers ownership have gone for it seemingly every year for, what, the past decade? They've won the division like 10 years straight, something like that. Um, it's a credit to them. And it's the real model that you should be following if you are a team or if you are a fan of a particular team. You got to invest. You got to go for it. You have to continue to develop. You got to be incredibly deep from a personnel standpoint. And then kind of you, uh, you, you let the, you know, uh, chips fall where they may because it's such a fine line. But if you can give yourself consistent, a, a consistent chance and continue to invest, it's kind of hard from a, a fan standpoint to really, uh, you know, complain about anything else. Yo, really quick, Mike, before you jump in, because I know you're, you're chomping at the bit here. But, yo, oh, and by the way. I'm going to start a television network, too, to spit in your face some more. I don't have any money, but I'm going to start an entire television network and move all our media and every single game to a television network that I own and run and take all the profit from. Then, and and really quick, we're not talking about tough decisions with, with Castellanos. You, you, you bring him here to see if he could play. He plays his ass off, and you don't pay him. Schwarber. Yeah, I get it. Yo, Schwarber, these do like this is not these are not like tough decisions that we're talking about. Nick Castellanos was the most no-brainer bring back I've ever seen. And we and we let him walk out the door. He so was, I mean he was like he became my favorite cub in the least amount of time of any cub besides Sammy Sosa. And that's easy. Like a different, different easy. Company. And and Dom, like you said, 
don't spit in our face and not not talk to the media and 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 then just just come out and say, look, bro, we're not trying to spend any more money. We spent a lot of money this and the third. It's like a lot of pandering and a lot of bullshit around. And then you you try to you try to please the fan base by bringing a guy like Arietta back. I get it. Like, like literally every single detail you look at, we're trying to cut money at every single spot. The U Darvish, we dump him. Uh, let's sign Jock for a million, two million less than Schwarber. Like every single corner you look, and then they're trying to tell you they're putting together a contender. Go ahead, Mike. I'll I'll just say I feel like I'm going to play a little bit of devil's advocate. No, please. I think I I personally do think there's they still like the Ricketts. I think Tom still does care. I, I really do believe that. And maybe I'm in the minority and people are going to call me company guy, but I got to meet him once and legit talk to him, shake his hand. And that was in 2019. And I, I can't really reason with some of the decisions, but I definitely know that he cares about the Cubs and like things might've changed pandemic. You know, that's very shitty timing when you're thinking about, we're trying to cut costs. Now we're going to play a 60 game season. We're losing a year of eligibility. If you play all, whatever it is, but like me personally, after meeting him one time and having an extended conversation, I think he cares. Now I think the level of care is probably different, Yeah. but I know that it's not like, let's just fucking make money somewhere else. Because if that's the case, I feel like he could be hiding more, you know, like we may never hear from him again. Like he may never go to a game or unless people think that he's just doing that to make appearances. But to me, it feels like if I want to be like a backseat owner, I'll just go to Bali or fucking Jamaica and just push buttons from there. Like he's still around. So I think that maybe he doesn't want to be as front facing media wise, because I think that the fire might be a little hot, but I do think he cares. And like, I'm not saying you're wrong for how you feel. I love the passion just as much as Dom does. Because I think these conversations need to happen when you talk about how much passion is in this fan base and how desperate, again, I feel like this des- this fan base is to win. Like, we can't – even if we don't win another World Series in the next five years, like, I won't forget the feeling of being like, we're going to fuck up the league for five seasons. Like, that feeling yeah. was, like, unlike anything I ever felt. I went from 28 years of – shit, people are literally telling me this team's never going to win, and they haven't won since before my grandma was born. Like, yeah. And then flipping that on its head after 2015 and 16 and saying, I can't wait to fuck people up for the next five seasons. Like, now that steep drop-off really obviously sucks, but I think getting there, feeling that feeling, I don't think it's lost on him. I think a lot of factors maybe have changed maybe how he feels, but I do think he cares. I, I I agree, Mike. I I think there there's levels to it all, and um, I don't know. I keep I keep bringing up like the the, the parent uh, analogy, but that that's the one I continue to think about. It's like, yeah, like could you you know you give your kids a lot of opportunities, you pay for their you know baseball equipment and their other sporting equipment, but like, are you getting them extra lessons? Are you helping with them after after school? Are you trying? It's like those type of things. Like, yeah, you know. My dad, uh, you know, they, they let me play sports. They paid for this or that. But, like, maybe in a spurt, certain aspect they could have done more. I'm not using my my own life as an example. It's just kind of the whole, you know, theme of it all. And I think yeah. many Cubs fans would feel the same way. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I think, yeah. We you, you need we need we need a little more support from our parents. I guess that's yeah, yeah. like that's that's where we're at right I, now. I'm not, using what, my, I'm not using my uh, my situation <laughs> as an example. I'm just I'm just saying that you know the Ricketts they're pretty much our parents. They are. Yeah. Let's be honest. They yeah. say they say when you can have money. They say when you can do this. They say when you can do that. And you know sometimes you're gonna be pissed off. Like again, I'm always gonna support the Cubs. Obviously, and and because of that. I have to support the, the 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 organization and and the family that runs the team. It's like it's not a love hate thing, but it's like, man, like come on, guys, like we we want you to be better. We want yeah. you to invest more because if you do that, then everyone else you know benefits from it. And again, that's why these conversations are important. Yeah, and I think it's a it's a it's just a very unique situation in Chicago where like, yo, if the Phoenix Suns aren't good, that fucking building's not rocking like that. Oh, doesn't yeah. look like that. Yeah. There's a lot of places in the country where, yo, the 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 Miami Heat aren't good. 
No one's going to the fucking game. Atlanta Hawks aren't good. No one's there. So, like, yeah. it's a very unique situation, and he knows this. Yeah. Where he's like, man, I ain't got it. What you, y'all want me to do? What, man? Come on, yeah. man. This money's yep. coming in regardless. I don't. I don't have. I don't have to do shit. And of course, no one would ever come out and say that. But that's what it feels like to me. It's like, yeah, I got you guys by the nuts, especially because I got you a title. So we'll just yeah. No, I we'll you. just do whatever we got to do. I think it's totally fair. It, it's totally fair, and I, I really hope it changes. And if it does, I think not to cut ahead, but like if the Cubs just sit on their hands again this off season. Then I feel like you know, like if they sit on their hands and say, "Well, it's not our time." What do you mean it's not our time? Because if it's not our time, then that means Javi Baez is going to be here, Anthony Rizzo is not going to be here, Chris Bryant isn't going to be here. Like, if that's it, if we don't do anything this offseason to push it forward, then it is probably a true rebuild, which they say is not going to happen. Jed has said it, Thomas said it, other you know high-ranking members of the organization has said have said it. So I think this offseason, in terms of the money being invested in this team, considering how low the budget is for player uh, contracts going into 2022, it's so incredibly low. I know the CBA is going to be crazy. I'm I'm putting that in the back burner right now. The Cubs do not invest. They are not aggressive in free agency. They are not aggressive in trade. Whatever it is, if they just sit on their hands, say it's not our time, We'll focus on this later. Spending will come at another time. Then we will absolutely know why the Cubs have acted like they have over the past four or five years. Yeah, I think that's a perfect segue into to what we'll close the show out on is what should we do now, right? So, okay, if it's, if it's Ricketts' fault, if it's Theo's fault, if the players didn't produce, and I think, at least on my end, I tend to let those guys off the hook probably more than I should. Yeah. Um, just because that's just how I'm built. I don't know. It's, it's hard to play baseball, right? Yeah, um, it's so hard. Yeah, right? So I, I tend to lean that way, right? But what should we do now? And another situation, I, I don't know. I've never seen a situation where literally every single good player on the team doesn't have a deal. Yeah. I've, never, I've never seen anything like it. Nobody fucking has a deal. It's not like we're arguing, should we, ha- should we sign Javi and Tony because – we gave a bunch of money to Contreras and uh, and Bryant. Bro, yeah. none of these guys have a deal. Zero. No. Nobody, right? So, Dom, kick it off, and then we'll kick it to Mike. What do yeah. you think should we – dude, do we do we give up on everybody and keep Contreras? Do we give up uh, – do we keep – I mean, I mean, you're obviously on record we, that you would, you know, extend Bryant. He's a special player. And I'm yeah. always on the side of, hey, man, uh, you don't really find Chris Bryant laying, laying around on the street. You so they're not, might, they're not anywhere. They're nowhere. They're right. nowhere. They're nowhere. Yeah. Sean, I think you're, you're giving me a layup right here. If there's one move that you're going to make, even if you do trade the rest of the guys, even if you do say, even if you do let them walk, I'm, I am paying Chris Bryant. I am. It's it to me, even after his struggles in June, to me, it's a slam dunk. If you need a first baseman, Chris Bryant can play first. If you need a third baseman, he can play third. If you need anywhere in the outfield, he can go out there. It makes no sense to put yourself in a bucket. And, again, people might hate me for saying this, but it doesn't make sense. If Anthony Rizzo wants $100 million and he can only play, play first base, why would you pay Anthony Rizzo over Chris Bryant where he can play four other positions and play the same one? It doesn't make sense. Even if it's going to be more expensive, if you want to be versatile, if you want to have the best player on the team to build around, even if he's not going to be like an absolutely uh, an absolute world beater in his 30s, he's versatile enough. That's why we signed Jason Hayward, right? You could play all over the outfield, great defense, contact, so on and so forth. Like Chris Bryant is the perfect guy for this team moving forward regardless of what they do i think it starts with him even if they don't bring it back javi even if they don't bring back rizzo i think chris is a is such a critical piece and obviously i i'm I'm talking myself into this because he very well could be traded in seven days or whatever it could be but i just think he's the most critical guy i think he's the safest bet i think he's going to age the best and i think he's the best player he's Obviously dealt with some health issues, but they've been some funky things like sliding weird or, you know, banging up his knee or 
getting hit in the head, like those types of injuries that he hasn't been the same afterwards. I think that's where you start with. I hope that's what they're focusing on right now. And if you do that, then you can figure out how everything else is going to fill out. Then you can figure out, well, you know what? If we, we're not going to bring Javi back. All right, Nico's playing shortstop or that whole conversation. I just think you can't replace Chris Bryant. And Chris Bryant can replace many of the players you are giving up. And because of that, I think it's a slam dunk decision to bring him back and actually pay him a fair contract. 100%. Couldn't agree more. I mean, I, I'm giving him this blank check. Yeah. Just ask me what you want. Because like you said, versatility, you don't have to worry about him doing anything crazy off the field. Yep. He's obviously a pillar and, and a model citizen, like never hear anything about him. So you're not worrying about anything like that when you invest. Yep. And he's, he's, I mean, this might sound crazy and it's maybe a little hyperbole, but he's already a top 10 cub ever. Oh like, yeah, for sure. I mean, I mean, like, and I don't think that that's jumping too far out. Like, he's he's won a, a Rookie of the Year. He's won an MVP. He's won a World Series. Like, shit, the guy's done so much. Like, if you're going to bet on any of them, why not that guy? So exactly. I totally agree there. But I'm going to pivot a little bit because I think all the points you made are super strong, and I agree with them. I worry about Baez and Rizzo because I think on separate occasions in the past, they've been like, I'm going to get more than this. I deserve more than this. Yeah. And then we've gotten to a point now where it's like, shit, this is getting sad because like, I love Rizzo to death. And I think a lot of the points down made are spot on, but it's like, he's not going to get Goldschmidt money. Does do we do either of you guys think he deserves Goldschmidt, Goldschmidt money? Probably well, I, not. Going so like, into this year, Mike, I would say, I would say maybe. I, I had a lot of conversations with many people that knew a lot more about this than I did. And the comp was always brought up as Goldschmidt. And I would always push back and I'd say, well, he's not like, yeah, maybe early on 15, 16, he was that. But over the last couple of years, he hasn't been. I think he would get just below that. I always said max out at 100 million. I don't think it really goes above that. But I feel like he wants more than that. He's always said that publicly, always. And the, and the other side of it is he definitely took some team-friendly deals. But, like, yeah. I can understand you wanted to get paid, and maybe somebody will do that. I think that's obviously out of our hands. But when I say, like, it's sad, it's like you ask him about why he turned it down. He gave his answer. They asked Javi about Lindor's deal. And it's like, that deal looks kind of crazy right now, too. Yeah. Like, Lindor's great, but, like, 300 some million dollars that's a lot. So, like, yeah. it feels like – the market is coming down a little bit because they're realizing like if we're going to give out eight, nine year deals for upwards of $350 million, like who's the closest to that? That's Chris Bryant. Yeah, for sure. That's Chris Bryant. Listen, bro. If you're not going to pay Chris Bryant, who the fuck are you going to pay? Exactly. Who, who, what, what player, what player are you going to pay? If, if you're exactly. not going to pay Chris Bryant, then like who, who are you? Like who, well, who in the league are you going to pay? Like, are you just paying? Are you just paying? Uh, like the top two, three players in the league. So yeah, of course you pay Chris Bryant. I think uh, I always get really sensitive about um stuff like this, especially with where we're at now, because I'm always a big advocate of like players putting teams to the fire. Like, yo, I need my deal. Yeah. Forget it because, like, next thing you know, I come out and have a bad – I'm not even talking about a bad year. I have a bad half, and then all of a sudden it's like, he wants Goldsmith money. <laughs> like, what are we oh. talking about? You know what oh. I'm saying? Yeah. So it, it's really difficult. And, and then you get animosity within the squad. Like, is this guy going to get paid? Why doesn't he – you know what I'm saying? So it's like a – it's a really bad situation. And you saw the clips last night with Chris Bryant on TV. That's the only thing anybody asked this guy. Yep. All, every yep. question is about, yo, <laughs> so – and I know they got to do their jobs, but like that, it's just so tired. And he he said that in in the Fox broadcast, he was like, "I was told you guys were going to ask me this shit." <laughs> it's like, yeah, yeah. But that's the only thing people want to know because we've gotten here. Like, it doesn't make sense. I don't know why we're here. Because no, you make but, a good point. What if we're not going to pay him? Who we're going to pay? Eduardo Escobar, yeah, Corey right. Seager, like Michael Conforto. He's better than all three of those guys. Like, yeah, I, I don't know. It seems too much of a no-brainer to me, and that's why I get fired up about it. But, like, now we've gotten all the way to 2021, and it's like, well, shit, we might be able to get 
two pitchers, a reliever, and three prospects for the guy. So now you're like almost forced to entertain the conversation. No, right. Because now we're in a situation where the team is shit. We're we're a very middle middling team, and yep. now they're gonna get they're gonna they're, people are gonna be knocking at the door with wheelbarrows full of prospects and all types of shit. And, and so like you're so like hold on, let me get this straight. And then this is this is Ricketts in his office. Let me get this straight. I don't have to sign a three hundred million dollar check, and I get a whole bunch of other sh- like it's just a really bad situation. Dom, yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna lay it out straight for you. So like we're we're letting Javi walk, we're letting Rizzo walk, we're signing KB and Contreras. Like if you're in the office, like what what do we what what do you think is the best route? Do do we try to just bundle up everybody and and just really really reboot it? Um, I don't think that's an option for a team that brings in as much money as us and has a network that people expect to subscribe and upgrade their TV packages to have a part of it and all that type of shit, right? So you have to. It's like a very middle road where you have to put the rebuild is like a competitive rebuild. So I mean, if you're in the office, Dom, what what do you think is the best route? What would you do? I know it's a tough. I know it's a tough question, but yeah, people are gonna get frustrated. But if you if you're putting me on the spot, then I'm doing. Well, I'm addressing all the core players. I'm re-signing Chris Bryant, and then if again, if gun to my head, I'm actually making the decisions. I probably am trading Javi and Anthony. I probably am, honestly, and I'm because. You have a guy who has done it before. Granted, it was in a short sample size, but Nico Horner can go play shortstop. He's gonna he's gonna put them on play. He's gonna produce. He's obviously very dynamic. Like he is that next shortstop. Think not even think about all the other shortstops that are in the system coming up. It's loaded with shortstops coming up. So Javi is the perfect player right now to be traded. And I say it because he can play anywhere in the infield. He can get streaky as anyone. He can, he's a microwave. He can go out, carry a team for two weeks and that's all you need. And, and the, and the trade would justify itself just for the production he can put up in that, that short sample size. But Javi is also an X factor. He's not a four hitter. He's not a three hitter. He's a seven hitter. Go back to what the lineups were when he when we won in 2016. He's hmm. a guy who hits at the bottom of the order with no pressure. He can swing for whatever he wants. Like that's the type of player he is. And I think if we're gonna expect Javi to be this, you know, big name guy, this big contract player, I know this is gonna come off as harsh. You can't get on base to uh 27% of the time. You can't strike out 38% of the time. You can't make some of the mistakes he's made. I know he's a gold glover. I know he leads like the league in RBIs. I know he's hitting a lot of home runs. But the juice isn't worth the squeeze when it comes to the contract that he wants. The contract that he turned down, $180 million, a lot of money. And I think the Cubs can just shift Nico over to short and say, all right, you're the guy here. You're going to give us more contact. More likely than not, you probably won't be worth the same in terms of war. Um, but he's going to be able to, you know, do the job. And with the shortstops coming up, uh, I think Nico can fill that hole. So I'm, I'm, I know it's going to sound bad, but I'm trading away Anthony Rizzo. I'm trading away Javi. I'm re-signing Chris. And then I'm really looking, I'm looking critically at Wilson Contreras and his injury history, what he can do for this team long-term, so on and so forth. Because the catcher position, granted, it's incredibly important. But if you have a guy back there who can manage the pitching staff and frame, then you have something that a lot of other teams have. You have you can get a couple other catchers that can fill out that role, and maybe the Cubs can get something back for Contreras. I know I'm prefacing this by saying it seems like the Cubs are going to rebuild, but I'm saying invest in Chris and then invest in the rest of the team. Go out, spend in free agency, improve the roster, so on and so forth, while potentially giving up you know some of the core guys. I know that sounds bad. I know that sounds harsh, but that's how I would go about it for sure. I think pretty closely to that. <laughs> me and yeah. me and Dom, me and Dom are pretty in sync when it comes to this. Um, but I think I'm a little different on on Willie. I think Willie, I think, is probably the most important next to Bryant, just given the fact that Bryant's not going to be the out in the open leader. He's not going to be the face. I mean, like he's going to be the face because you know, he's a top, you know, 15, 20 player in the league, 
But I love Willie because of the intangibles. And like, you could say what you want about him calling people out and pushing back and rubbing people the wrong way. But I think that if you're going to start over, not start over, but if you're going to retool and you're going to give Chris Bryant a blank check, which I hope they do, then you're going to need a guy next year. You have to pay him, but whatever. You're going to need a guy that's going to be the red ass. who's not going to take shit from people. Who's not going to allow people to be lollygagging and taking nights off and shit like that. Like Willie, in his development was not good at pitch framing in the beginning, but great arm, you know, plus bat. Now it's like plus bat can hit for average, better framer, still going to talk a lot of shit on the field and like not take shit from anyone. And I feel like his, his growth and development is reaching its peak right now. And I don't think, you know, if you're going to bring new pitchers in, you're going to bring new personnel in to give away or trade away a guy who is managing the entire game. I think that's probably counterproductive unless you're getting a King's ransom, which I'm sure you probably could get. So to me, the two important things are give Chris Bryant literally whatever the hell he wants within reason. Like if he wants $500 million, we're not doing that. But if he wants his 270, you know, 285 over seven years or eight years, whatever, we've spent it before. Just do it. And then you figure out how to keep Willie here. Cause I know personally Willie loves Chicago. I don't think he wants to be anywhere else. I don't know if I can say the same about Chris, but I know that Chris just wants the Cubs to do right by him because in the past they didn't. Yeah, and that's, I get for, it. that's for reasons that are well-documented. We don't have to go into it, but those are the two important guys for me. I think what personally, what I think is going to happen. I think Javi is going to play the rest of this year, maybe sign a qualifying offer. Cause I think he's got more to prove. If yeah. that's, how, if that's how he comes back, that's fine. Yeah. Yeah. But, but I don't know that. I don't know where his head's at. I don't know anything about Javi, but I know that he's a butts and seats gate attraction guy. And I feel like that's going to inform some of that decision. So right or wrong, but that's kind of how I feel. If, and Sean, I know you were just going to talk, but I just want to say, no, no, go ahead, brother. If Javi is coming back, if he does take a qualifying offer, I just want the expectations of Javi to change. I, I don't want to see him hitting fourth. I want to see him down in the order. I want to see the pressure being taken off of. And I'm not saying that because he can't handle it. It's just he's not that type of player. And I think we should all just come to reason with that. Like, yeah, he's gonna he can hit the ball as far as anyone, but he can also strike out the most as anyone. So put him at the bottom of the order. Take the expectations off, like like we've done with Jason Hayward, right? Over the years, like we know what the we know what he is as a player. He's not a world beater offensively, good defensive player, so on and so forth. Like I wish we could have the same conversation about Javi and not put him in these situations where he's batting third, batting fourth in these big spots throughout the game on many occasions where we see him strike out. Yeah, he might hit a home run, but like it's it, it's very tough, and I think. Those are the types of moves the Cubs need to think about internally if these guys do come back on these qualifying offers. Yeah, Dom, I think that if you sign Bryce Harper, you don't have to hit fourth. Exactly. That's another conversation. Because it's hard to plug the hole. Shit, like if you make other deals, this is easier to do. Like we're confident in 2015, 16 when he is hitting seventh, but there's more beef in this lineup. So now it's just like, hey, we're rolling out what we got. And I agree 100%. So go off, yeah, I think we just want him to be that guy so badly. So it's like, yo, run him out and forth because he he has that capability. It's just so tough when you see a dude flash like that. You're like, oh, my God, this motherfucker is a monster. You know yeah. what I'm saying? And For sure. he, especially when he had that that MVP run with him and uh, I'm blanking on the asshole you know, in Milwaukee. Yeah, with, yeah, yeah, yeah. He, like, he was not done a fucking thing since then because he was cheating. He hasn't. Yeah. I looked at – he's struggling. My guy, he's, he's – 260, I mean, I'm sorry, 760 OPS is hitting 240. Five home runs so far this year. It's hard to hit. Bad news shirt. Yeah, he's got to put it on. (laughs) Why don't don't you think you can hit? Because you don't know what's coming. It's fucking easy to hit when you know what's coming. I know. I hear you. It's it's tough. I'm going to say this, man, before we get out of here. I have four Cubs jerseys right now. I have uh, a Soriano, of course. Uh, I have an Aramis, and I have an Aramis Ramirez. Okay. And my other two jerseys are Javi Baez. One before he got the thing over the A. Oh yeah. wow. And then and then I had to get a I had to get another one when he got when he oh, got wow. the when he got the Spanish joint over the A. So Javi's my dog through and through, hundred percent. Um, 
I, I, you know what? I'm gonna be. I'll, I'll keep it 100 with you guys. Qualifying offer does nothing for me because it's almost like prolonging what we're doing right now. I hear you. I, I, I don't. I don't. I don't. And I also think it's the the pressure of him not having a deal and all this shit is starting to get to him a little bit. I think. I think that's part of it as well. It's like, yeah. If you and I think he's just such a showman too. Like, hold on, I don't have a deal. We're losing games. He's just not jacked up to be out there doing anything. It's just like. He's kind of going through the motions. I, I I truly believe that that's part of the issue. But yeah, and I'm also terrified that he goes somewhere else and he turns into Barry Bonds. He very well might. He very well might. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I'm like, oh my god, this is yeah. That happens to Chicago all the time, man. Yeah. But like, that's why I was so worried about this shit in the beginning. I'm like, if we could just like lock one or two of these guys up early, then we won't have to worry right. about all of them leaving and then all of them being sick. Like, right. Kyle Schwarber's going on a fucking binge. And every time I open my phone, it's like, he had another home run. And people are like, yo, talk about it. I'm like, I don't want to talk about shit. I don't want to see you guys because I'm just sick. I'm like, yo, this guy could have played for $2 more million and binged in Chicago. But he went to Washington and unlocked his power and whatever it is. And now it's like, damn, what happens when we have to give all of them away and then they all end up multi-year all-stars for the rest of them. And I'm going to and I'm going to also say this and I'm gonna, then I'm going to ask you guys one more question before we get out of here. I mean it's almost like we're we're so spoiled like players don't come out and say they want to play in a city like they say they want to play for the Cubs or, or in Chicago. Oh, people yeah. uh, like people are out here saying like yo I would love to stay here please resign me. I'll even take a like just give me a fair deal bro. I'll stay. And it's like, and it's like we somehow seem to get these guys and they and they disappear. Like Castellanos, like it's just like, yo, man, I want to stay here really, really badly, but I'm not gonna let y'all lowball me to death to where I, I have to leave. So it's like we keep running into that situation. Real quick, and do we have any thoughts on the manager? Um, is he kind of just doing what he? This is the other thing. Ricketts puts these guys in a situation where it's like, yo, this is the team, bro. Yeah. This is what we got. So Ross is kind of out there like, man, I would love to, you know, add here, add there, do whatever. But he's but I, I really think he's handcuffed where it's like, here, bro, here, here's the here's the here's the roster. Do what you can with it. And I also think, dude, I mean, this might sound really cynical, and I and this is but this is really what I believe. They knew that going in when they were signing Ross. We're like, oh, we'll just make we'll let Ross deal with it. And we'll, you know, he's he'll he'll be good with the players because they know him. He's the he's the OG Rossy. And uh, they'll like him, and they'll play for him. But he doesn't have a team. He's gonna. It's gonna be hard pressed for him to really, really win. I, I have no problem with what David Ross has done as a Cub manager. I think he's done a great job. I, I yeah. I mean, there's a few spots here and there, but I really have no issue with it. Yeah, every manager is gonna be criticized. Every manager is gonna make a decision that you scratch your head with. But I think more to that, Sean. I think the Cubs really signed him for this next. Again, I hope it's not wishful thinking, and I hope I'm not talking myself into this. But this next run, like they get, they get, uh, he gets Chris, Hobby, Rizzo at the back end of potentially their Cubs career to establish him as a new manager, no coaching experience, so on and so forth. To when the new group comes in, then he's solidified, he's established, and really has the respect not only from the players but the organization uh, itself. And, and the fans to feel like he could just boost forward into this next run. I hope that's the thing. I, I would say they would give the same answer as well. And overall, again, I don't have any issue with what he's done. I, I, I really like having him as manager. I do too. I agree. And I was going to say the same thing. I think it's easy to bridge the gap when you have a guy who's homies with everyone in the clubhouse. And, you know, I said this when they signed him. A lot of people were like, well, he's just Grandpa Rossi, and he did Dancing with the Stars. And I'm like, yeah. I, I, I read a little bit of his book. Like, he was an asshole when he was a player. People didn't like him, and yeah. he was a red ass. And I, I knew that eventually we would get that manager. And I don't know if we've gotten there yet. COVID shortened season, you know, whatever we make the playoffs. But I think this next chapter, whatever that looks like, is now that'll be the time where we can really evaluate who he is because it's not going to be a lot of familiar faces anymore. It seems like. So now you have to manage new people and bring people in and develop young guys. And, you know, I just think that it's too early to make a decision on him, but my personal thought, I think he's fine. I think he's just fine. I don't think anyone, I'm more so of the the school of thought that like your manager isn't doing 
that much for you. Like, I'm not going to go say he's just like writing the lineup card. There's a lot of things that he does probably very well, you know, behind the scenes. But at the end of the day, like you said, Sean, like he's dealing with the hand he was dealt. Like if you get a yep. bunch of hearts and you're playing spades, you can't win. So, yeah, like, what the hell you <laughs> so to me, it's like we got to wait and to see we got to wait and see, you know, when this dust settles, how do we bounce? How do we move back into the to the contention phase where it's like, all right, the Cubs are coming every year. And it's tough when you're in a, in a division that, you know, let's just call a spade a spade. It's caught up to you. The fucking Reds spent money. The Brewers yep. pitchers developed. They're all fucking sweet. Like, they have five pitchers in the All-Star game. The Milwaukee Brewers. Yeah. Like, that's crazy. So we've allowed people to catch up. Now it's about making these decisions, let, let the dominoes fall where they may, and then see, okay, is Rossi the guy? I mean, what is what was it, like a four-year deal? So he's got a couple. He's got a couple years to to really prove that, and I think he could be a guy that that manages here for the next five to seven years. I think he's good enough for sure. For sure. Yeah, we'll leave it there, man. Mike Bolin, social host for the Chicago Cubs, holding it down, and of course the director of morale, Dom. Appreciate y'all coming on, man. Absolutely. Dom, did you see all those Wrigleyville jerseys last night in Denver, bro? Yeah, yeah, man, it was awesome. Uh... Thank, thankful for people like you that have supported for many years. I'm, I'm very appreciative for it. And uh, Sean, again, thank you for having me on. It was awesome. And let's yeah, do no it again doubt. soon. Yeah, definitely, man. I'm going to, I got to grab some merch, man. I'm going to need the next day airship, dog. <laughs> <laughs> or, 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 I was going to say no bullshit. Like we, we all as kids knew that or hoped that one day we would have a, a, a Dom or someone that was like, really pushing for positivity and optimism and like, yo, we're fucking sweet. So now we have expectations and we need to keep it there. Like, yeah, that's what doesn't get lost on me. Like a lot of times I get called out on Twitter, like, yo, you just work for them and you're optim optimistic for no reason. It's like, bro, like we were all kids in fifth grade where Sox fans were shitting on us. Like, what the fuck, bro? Like, what have you guys done? And it's like, we need to get to a point where it's like, now we feel good enough about ourselves and we're established and we can sell merch and we can, you know, do podcasts and people actually care. Like when I worked at the fan cave, people were telling me, this is no bullshit, real story. Spike Lee came into the fan cave and he was like, yo, you're wearing a Cubs jersey. Are you a real Cubs jersey? Are you a real Cubs fan or did they make you wear that? And I was like, man, the Knicks are trash. Yeah. And he got, and like he laughed and my boss was like, yo, we could have fired you for that. Like if he would have told you, and I'm like, no, fuck that. Because all I've done my whole life is listen to people shit on us. And now we've gotten to the point where it's like, we're having conversations that are tough in this time, but we've celebrated and all we want is to continue winning. So guys like Dom who are pushing the brand, pushing positivity saying, you know, fuck that. We don't deserve to have to deal with watching a loser. Like all that shit is warranted because we've taken that bite of the apple. And I think that that's the next phase is like, that can't get lost on people. Like we used to be shit. And that doesn't mean we can just, you know, say, oh, whatever, fuck it. Like we don't have to win. But at the same time, it's like, there is a business and we understand it, but like, let's not forget where we used to be because we always, we would always try to say like, we're going to be good. Now we're good and we're established. Like, let's fucking keep it there. That's how exactly. I feel. Thank you, Mike. Yeah, you got it, man. Yeah, definitely. Hey, man, for Dom, the director of morale for Chicago Cubs, for Mike Bowling, I'm Sean Little. No catch-up sports talk based Chicago. We're out of here.